Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 the guardian protector of israel was not an ordinary angel god said my name is in him if god's name is in him then he's god too right i mean here they are worshiping these other guardian protectors as gods but this one is god that's pastor michael oxentenko and this is reaching your heart Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is the seventh in the Cosmic Controversies series. And you can find this entire series online at reachingyourheart.com. We will conclude this broadcast today. We started it the last time when we were together, and we would invite you to go ahead and listen to the entire message without interruption at reachingyourheart.com if you would like. We'd also appreciate it if you sign up for our newsletter on the website, reachingyourheart.com, and we appreciate you considering doing that. Let's get underway with the conclusion to When Demons Became Gods. Here's Pastor Mike. And we have been affected in civilization. Every world religion has been affected by what transpired at the Tower of Babel. So let's review. There were 70 nations after the flood. And God divided them up to correspond to the number of the sons of God, indicating fallen angels. That means evil angels were assigned to every nation that formed after the Tower of Babel. That means every single religious and social structure came directly under demonic control. Now, is there evidence for this in the Bible? Yes, there is. In the book of Daniel, the nations that oppress Israel, that are giving Daniel a hard time, they have guardian angels that are evil angels. In the context, Michael is the great spiritual prince that guards Israel, and the other nations are guarded by their angels, and they don't like Michael. In fact, they war against Israel. They war against Michael, and we see a spiritual conflict of guardian angels. The prince of Persia, the prince of Greece, at odds with Michael, the prince of Israel. In Daniel 10, 13, it says the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Now, most likely Gabriel is speaking. He says, I fought against this supernatural prince, and he was able to oppose me. But Michael, literally the first of the princes, came to help me. So I left him there with the prince of the king of Persia. When Gabriel couldn't defeat him, there was a prince with power and authority that could defeat this evil prince of Persia. In Daniel 10, 20, then he said, Do you not know why I have come to you? But now I'll return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I am through with him, lo, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these evil forces understood, except Michael, your prince, who is the guardian angel of Israel. In the book of Daniel, the nations are divided up with spiritual overlords that are evil angels. When God's angel went to Persia, he was in foreign airspace. The radar of spiritual forces found him there, and he was not at home there. 
And he needed help from Michael to defeat the spiritual prince of Persia. Likewise, the spiritual prince of Greece was a fallen angel that would become a negative force in human history in the future. And so the angel must contend with him too. You put it all together and it's clear the false gods of the pagan world were demons and they were working around the clock to wipe out the nation of Israel. There was a contextual spiritual battle in play in the history of the Old Testament. And only Michael, the great prince, could stand against them in the fiercest conflict and win. Daniel 12.1, it says, At the time of the end, evil forces will marshal again, and Michael, the great prince, who has charge of God's people, will arise. And there will be a time of trouble since it was never a time until that time. And at that time of the end, all of those will be delivered whose names are found written in the book. I mean, these powers are still here. And we find that the, the war is still ongoing. In the Old Testament, God called Abraham from the land of tower builders to make his name great and to bless the peoples of the earth in him. Now, God didn't start with a nation under the control of demons. He didn't pick one of those nations out there that had an evil guardian angel to it. He left them aside. He started with a man who heard his voice and obeyed. He started with a family he could work with and save. He started with a friend who would come into fellowship and follow his will. So he called Abraham out of the land of tower builders to a land that God would show him. He called him away from the land of Babylon and the ideas of spiritual nexus and connection to evil forces. He said, follow me and have a relationship with me by faith, Abraham. And in the providence of God, a man without a country became the hope of the human race, the hope for every country on the face of the earth. He said, in you I will bless the peoples of the earth. In Genesis 15, God told Abraham that his descendants would be slaves in Egypt, and that God would bring them out to the land of promise. And when they came out, they would become God's firstborn nation among all the nations of the earth. In fact, when Moses came to Pharaoh, he said, Israel is my firstborn, God says. Let him go to sacrifice to me in the desert. It's no accident that 70 people went to Egypt to become that nation that came out. In Exodus 1, verse 5, all the offspring of Jacob, Israel, were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. 70 offspring of Jacob, the son of Abraham, became the seed for the nations of the earth to reconstitute the human race. They matched the nations of the earth in number. And the question arises, I mean, it's, it's the logical question to ask, Why? Why 70 sons of Israel, 70 nations of the earth, in the context of this cosmic controversy? Why, why the parody here? Why would they match the number of the nations that had come under the control of demons? The answer is given in the second text stream of Deuteronomy 32. Let's take our Bibles. Okay, now we're going to be working off of the text stream of which the NIV is based. The Hebrew Masoretic text reads a little different than the old Greek Old Testament and the Dead Sea Scrolls, Deuteronomy 32.8. Now, it's clear in the Bible that both of these text streams are coming together to create the picture that we need. So I'm not ignoring either of them. I'm integrating them. Deuteronomy 32.8, the NIV. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when He divided all mankind, He set up boundaries for the peoples according to the numbers of the sons of Israel. Now here the text would indicate that the number of the sons of Israel matches the number of the nations under demonic control. God chose Israel to be a new beginning for the human race. At Mount Sinai, God assigned to the nation of Israel 
a new nation that came after the table of the nations. He assigned a guardian protector, a guardian angel, who would stand against the fallen host of demons, which were the gods of the nations. And he would protect the nation of Israel until the guardian protector of Israel, until the guardian angel of Israel would take them eventually to the promised land. And so we see that Israel had someone in charge of it, just like the other nations, but he was radically different from these fallen sons of God. Exodus 23, verse 20. God told Moses, Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place which I have prepared. Verse 21, Give heed to him and hearken to his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression. And then we find a radical statement. What does it say in your Bible? For my what? My name is in him. Now that should make your ears stick up. How can God's name be in the guardian protector of the Jewish nation? The guardian protector of Israel was not an ordinary angel. God said, my name is in him. If God's name is in him, then he's God too, right? I mean, here they are worshiping these other guardian protectors as gods, but this one is God, and he's assigned to Israel. That means the angel of the Lord that led Abraham was the Lord, the guardian protector of the Jewish nation. That means that God was with them when the angel was with them. That means they could bow down and worship that angel instead of the evil angels of the other nations, which were demons. Why? Because he was God. Because Israel's guardian protector was God in the form of an angel. He was the captain of the Lord's host. And they could rely on that angel to defeat all the others that were stronger than them. That's why Joshua bowed down and worshipped him when he saw him with drawn sword in hand. Joshua 5.13, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. But as a commander, as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord bid his servant? This angel is God. And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Put off your shoes from your feet, for the place whereon you stand is holy ground. And Joshua did so. And that's what God said to Moses at the burning bush. That's what the angel says to Joshua, who is the commander of the Lord's host. God with us. God as the leader and protector of the nation. God with us in the Old Testament was the guardian protector of the Jewish nation, the prince of Israel who carried and protected his people all the days of old. Two texts from Isaiah illustrate this point clearly. Isaiah 63, 9 and 10. The prophet Isaiah says, In all of their affliction, meaning the affliction of Israel, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. The angel of the Lord here provides the gift of the Holy Spirit. The angel of the Lord here is the one who carries the very presence of God within him. He is called the Redeemer of Israel in the context. Isaiah 44, 6 is the second verse. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel. Now you'll see the word Lord. It's in all capital letters, right? Look in your Bibles. All capital letters. That means Jehovah or Yahweh. That's the divine name given at Mount Sinai for God. So the I am God, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, 
which means, and his Redeemer has the same name. Look at it. Lord, L-O-R-D, all capital letters, Yahweh Jehovah. In other words, he's the God of Israel too, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. It's no accident that God the Father in the book of Revelation calls himself the Alpha and the Omega in Revelation 1.8. And Jesus calls himself the first and the last in Revelation 1.17. In Revelation 22.13, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last again. Jesus claims that title we find in Isaiah 44.6. The Redeemer, who was the angel of his presence, is God, according to Isaiah. He is the Son of God, we know, because of Scripture. And he carried Israel all the days of old. He was the guardian prince of the Jewish nation. In Isaiah 44, 6, the king of Israel is the Lord and his redeemer is also the Lord. Why? Because they're both God. They are both together. They are the first and the last. They are one God. They have always been and they will always be God together. And God sent his son to guard his people in the Old Testament. The angel in Daniel 11 predicted that the nation of Israel would reject its guardian protector for an alliance with the Roman Empire. Judas Maccabeus, the freedom fighter of Judea in the 2nd century B.C., didn't have enough faith in God to trust the angel of the Lord to defend him. He didn't believe that this spiritual prince could save Israel as he had done in years gone by. The Greek invader Antiochus Epiphanes had ravaged the temple and the people of God. So what would Judas Maccabeus do? What would these freedom fighters of the intertestament period do? They decided to betray the angel of the Lord. He made an alliance with Rome and the guardian protector of the Jewish nation, the prince of princes that Daniel talks about was rejected for Roman protection and the evil prince behind Rome became Israel's prince. Michael, the great prince, was set aside for the evil prince of Rome. And Daniel 11, 22 and 23 describes the full effect of Roman rule, the death of the Messiah and the sellout to Rome in the famous peace treaty of 161 B.C. when Israel chose Rome as its spiritual overlord. Day 11, 22, armies shall be utterly swept away before him and broken and the prince of the covenant also. This is the cross of Jesus Christ during the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will continue in just a moment. Stay tuned. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Tanka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart. Then verse 23, it tells us how we got to a place where the prince of Israel could be killed. And from the time that an alliance is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, and he shall become strong with a small people. That alliance occurred in the year 161 B.C. The treaty was made with Rome, and Israel became an ally of the Roman Empire. It trusted Rome to protect it from Greece, and Rome became the oppressor. You can't follow the world, dear heart, and follow God at the same time. You can't put your faith in political leaders and somehow keep it in Christ. Christ. 
Our faith and loyalty must be to Jesus, to the principles of his word, and to the guardian protector of our lives. As the Old Testament comes to an end, the angel of the Lord, the guardian protector of the Jewish nation, has been rejected as the spiritual prince of Israel. This is the tragedy we see in the Hebrew Old Testament. The last book of the Old Testament ends with a cry for this guardian angel of Israel to come and judge his people. The book of Malachi literally means my angel. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Malachi 3.1. Malachi 3 verse 1. Here we are at the, the closing pages of the Old Testament. Behold, I send what? What does the text say? My messenger, my angel, to prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant. It means the angel of the covenant. In whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver till they present right offerings to the Lord. Four hundred years pass, and the prophets are silent at last. Four hundred years between the book of Malachi and the appearance of Jesus in the New Testament. Four hundred years, and the voice of the guardian protector is no longer heard. He is silent. Where has the prince of princes gone? And then Jesus appears, announcing the kingdom of God. He walks the face of earth again. He had, he had walked the face of earth in previous ages, in the age of the gods, as the lonely God, the true God, the God without a nation, the one who had created the world without a nation. When demons became gods, he was the guardian protector without a nation. When all the nations of the earth had come under demonic control willingly, he was the protector of Abraham's family that would become a nation in its own time. And finally, he was rejected by his own people who sought Rome to be their leader, and thus Satan became the prince of Israel. He could no longer protect his people in the same way he had. He could no longer do this, and so the spiritual force and vitality was silent for 400 years. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem's manger, the wise men saw his star in the east, and they came west to find him. They left the land of tower builders to find the brightest star in the sky. They said, it's time to quit worshiping the host of heaven. It's time to find the bright and morning star. And John describes Jesus entering into this world in this way in John 1.9. The true light that enlightens every man was coming to the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home, and his own people received him not. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus chose 12 disciples as the basis of a new Israel because Israel had forsaken him. In the Gospels, when Jesus started his ministry, he cast the demons out of the synagogues because they had taken over the Jewish nation. Satan had taken control of his own people. So what does he do? He goes into the synagogue and takes it back. At the time of Christ, the Jewish synagogue had aligned itself with the principles of ancient Babylon and by so doing had opened itself up to demonic control. And so when Jesus comes in the synagogue, he encounters people who are possessed by devils, and he casts them out in the synagogue. The cosmic war had taken over the religion of Israel. 
Jesus chose 70 disciples as the basis for a new world invasion to take the nations of the earth back for God. In the New Testament, the church is a new Israel that is commanded to overtake the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The age of the gods has come to an end with the coming of Jesus, the true light that enlightens every man. The era of demons has surrendered by the will of God to the authority of God's Messiah in Jesus. And the angel of the Lord at last has become a man. And all authority in heaven and earth belongs to Jesus, the God-man, the only mediator between God and man. In Luke 10, 1, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others. And he sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to come. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Verse 17, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. At the Tower of Babel, the nations opened up the demon gate that unleashed the demons from the pit of Tartarus upon the earth. They chose unholy spirits to guide them and to keep them to become their gods. They inaugurated the age of the gods, and they rejected the Holy Spirit for demon spirits who became their gods, the gods of the great world religions. This is why interfaith ecumenicism does not work. At Pentecost, the resurrected Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, sent the Holy Spirit, deprived. The human race was deprived of the Holy Spirit of God. He sent the Holy Spirit to his church to heal the world from the curse of the tower builders. At Babel, God confused their tongues so they couldn't understand each other. At Pentecost, God gave them gifts of clear and distinct languages for the gospel to be heard, for the Holy Spirit to be received. And this is why what is happening today in the religious world where we have confusion of languages masquerading itself as the gift of the Holy Spirit does not fit what the Bible is talking about. That is what happened at the Tower of Babel. The kind of intervention here brought clear and distinct in the Greek dialect of these languages so people could understand the gospel. Pentecost is the reversal of the Tower of Babel, and the Holy Spirit is the gift from Jesus that takes the place of demons in the life and the world. A new era has dawned because of the coming of Jesus. The book of Revelation predicts at the end of time there will be a church-state union that is a new Tower of Babel all over again. A church-state system will be built to unify the world again. It is symbolized in Revelation 17 as a harlot that rides the beast, which is the world kingdom order at the very end of time. It's coming, dear heart. She, the harlot, the new Babylon, will seduce the kings of the earth and deceive them. It is pictured as a form of corrupted Christianity that gains access to the political powers of the earth and opens the demon gate all over again. She will be the last Babel, and she will open the doorway, the forbidden doorway. And the last call of this world will be the call of God to come out of Babylon and to forsake her sins for good. Revelation 18.1, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his splendor. And he called with a great and mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. It has become a dwelling place of demons, a haunt of every foul spirit. A haunt of every foul and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk the wine of her impure passion. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich with the wealth of her wantonness. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Dear heart, God is calling every one of us out of this kind of thing. 
Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. Jesus is coming again to take this world back for God. I mean, you don't have a future here like you think you have. This world has a rendezvous with a destructive end, but with Jesus there is a new beginning. And at the cross, Jesus won the right to claim every dark corner of this planet back for God and for His truth. The demons have no legal right to any nation, any community, or any street anymore. No community has the spiritual authority to keep the truth out. That means your neighborhood is a fertile ground for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means fear must be set aside as you plan boldly to advance God's kingdom. And no religion has a right to exclude Jesus from life and from the community of faith. It it doesn't. God is calling His people out, and we are to be extensions and agents of that call. Christ is the desire of nations, and Jesus is the hope of the world. And Jesus is the better promise for the broken life that needs mending. And no imposter religion has a right to do what Jesus can do. In the gift of Jesus, God is with us. And there is no longer a need to be afraid of evil in the world. And in the gift of Jesus, there is freedom from the old age when demons became gods. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart.